HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour live at Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. I am Hannah Forden, and I am sitting down with the two gentlemen behind two of my very favorite New England-based beverage brands. Um, I have Luke Schmucker from Shaxbury Cider, my dear friend, and my new friend, Jeff Pillett-Shore, who's the marketing director of Allagash Brewing Company. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Pleasure um, to be here. So first off, I feel like we should probably taste some beer. I love getting the can cracking noise going. So Jeff, what do you suggest we start with? Uh, well, I, I think we always have to start with Allagash White, the first beer we ever brewed, uh, and uh, now in cans. Awesome. I can get this pouring for us. Um, here, let me rouse that beer for you first. Oh, Make sure that we get the thank yeast. You. So, so right now, um, Jeff's turning the can upside down. There we go. Pro tip for the listeners. Awesome. Um, so you guys are based in Portland, Maine, but you make Belgian-style beer. So what is the um, what is the the spin that you're putting on it as as New Englanders making a traditional Belgian product? Yeah, you know, um, so we were founded in 1995 and. This will actually be, this is our 25th anniversary year that we're going into. Happy birthday. Uh, Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, it was a very different world uh, in beer at that time when uh, Rob Todd founded us. Uh, You know, most people had not had anything other than a macro beer. There were very few craft breweries. And so the idea of giving people new experiences with beer was something that was really important to him. And so he actually pursued this uh, Belgian-style wit beer because it was hard to make and because few other people were making it he liked the challenge of it and he is really ingrained in a a culture in the company that we do things um, that are giving new experiences to people in beer and so um, he loved Belgian inspired beers um, but I think that idea of innovation and novelty was almost what came first Um, and you know we don't uh, when we've done other things that are really um, derived from a Belgian tradition, we work very hard to make it clear that they're our own, that they're our own, and that we're not taking anything from them. So, when we did a spontaneous fermented beer, we didn't call it a lambic uh, or a goose. Uh, we we came up with our own name for it as a cool ship inspired beer. So, uh, it's very important to us to draw that inspiration from them and then uh, just brew things that give people different experiences. I mean, 
what do you guys think? I think the through line of conversations at Good Food Mercantile is people are like, I'm, I'm doing the hardest thing I can possibly do, and I love it, right? Like, that's that's your founding story, and I know you guys do that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I, I think there were all kind of gluttons for punishment when it comes to people that are at the Good Food Awards because everyone is so intensely focused on making the best product that they can it's not always the easiest way to make something but uh, I think especially with the group of people that's here they, they understand the quality and the difference and the easy way is not always the uh, the best way when it comes down to it um, and I, I'm excited to hear a little bit about um, the new initiatives I think it is fairly new that you guys are doing that you're a B Corps Right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, a little bit of background for folks who might not be familiar with what a B Corp is, but it's it's a mission-driven for, for-profit company. So, HRN is a mission-driven nonprofit company, but for you, it's a little bit different. So, I'm really excited to hear about what prompted that decision and how that's changed the way that you do business. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the kind of the inspired idea behind B Corp is that it's using uh, business as a force for good. And um, that's obvious, that's something that has been important to us from day one, but it wasn't always, I think, conscious for us. You know, there was definitely a a good 10 years at Allagash Brewing when Rob was one of only a few employees and it was basically just surviving, Um, but again, always sticking to what mattered and, and, and why he'd gotten into the business in the first place. But this idea of giving back to the community, of doing things the right way was always in his belief system and then it sort of became in our belief system and then you know craft beer uh, is such a collaborative environment Uh, you know you can walk into any other brewery anywhere and they'll treat you like an honored guest and it honestly it doesn't matter whether you're bigger or smaller it it works always and that's something that's always inspired us and so as we've grown and and we're now in this extraordinary place where we get to give back to other organizations Um, We were really inspired by what we saw in the B Corp community, which was an opportunity to really learn from other organizations who could inspire us to sort of challenge ourselves even more. Um, You know, Rob likes to say that, you know, he thought um, because we frankly are proud of the things that we've done. He thought, we can we can walk in and we can get that B Corp certification. And what we found was it was really hard. It is a rigorous third party test that has over 70 pages to it. And they are very challenging questions. It takes from the moment that you finally decide to push go on this, it's months and months of hard work of pulling in data from many different areas. And we were really humbled by the experience and it showed us how much more we had to grow. So in a sense, the the, the process of going through it actually made us more committed and, and more respectful of what this meant. That once we finally got the certification and the way it works is you, it's a point system. They assign points for different things, whether it's how you treat your suppliers or how you treat your employees or what you do with your uh, waste. Um, and it's based out of 200 points and you have to get 80 to qualify. We basically got 83 points and we were like, that's amazing that we were able to qualify, sort of just got over the threshold, and now we get to join this community where we get to challenge ourselves to grow even more. So it's really about helping push ourselves to that next level. I think that, I think that kind of speaks to the point of the Good Food Awards too. When you talk about these additional steps that you go through and those questions that are asked, when, when our dry cider won the tasting panel for cider as a category, 
that's only half the battle. battle. The additional questions that were sent over to me after winning that were, you know, making great ciders hard enough, but like going through the process. And for us, it was one of the main questions that stood out was, you know, honestly, they were asking most of the products that are at Good Food Awards are domestic. And Shaxbury Dry has Dabinette from Dragon Orchard in the UK in it as well, which is something that we're proud of because we love working with Simon. We think that his Dabinette's incredible, but they were like, why do you do that? You're being up in Vermont with all those cider producers. And for us, it was a great excuse to, we think so much about everything that we do, it was a great excuse to tell the story of like, we've been inspired by Simon. Not only are we using his Dabinette, but we're taking cuttings from his apple trees over in UK and we're propagating those back in Vermont, which is creating a higher value crop for local farmers using Dabinette apples, which aren't typically grown as much in Vermont. So, you know, it's, it's something that when, when you care that much about the ingredients that you're putting into your product, it totally makes sense. But without being able to tell that story to someone, they may not understand. It's like, oh, there's some UK apples in the cider. It's like, we love high tannin Dabinette. I mean, you've come up to Vermont and seen Dabinette. And I mean, it's a significantly different apple biting into it than a lot of the other stuff. So it's a, I think that going through those processes helps you define the core reason of why you're doing some of the things that you're doing as a company. And it, I think that processes like that help, help you focus. Yeah. And I think something that both of your brands have in common too is how deeply engaged it is with the local community of like where it's made, where it's grown, and also the land itself. So, you know, Shaxbury has a lost apple project where like you're preserving seeds that aren't being propagated by anyone else and sort of introducing new apples to the market and I know Alagash is doing a lot of work surrounding water usage um, so tell me a little bit more about that and what it how because beer requires a great deal of water yes it does right? that's it, something I know it does yes you're absolutely right I think actually that that highlights um, I mean first of all your, your points about the Good Food Awards are really fantastic and well taken and I think it's been such a humbling experience to be a part of this community and frankly something I want to be able to bring back to the entire community at Allagash. It's it's really been such an honor and I think one of the things that we've seen over the years is that beer is such a simple product that is one of the oldest beverages that is that you know humans have ever produced and most people don't really understand how it's made. Um, there's a tremendous sort of, I think I understand what goes into it, or I kind of get it, um, but there's still a distance from it. And so, you know, there's a story that, that uh, is, sounds too made up to be true, but, you know, one of our current growers of barley uh, didn't actually realize that barley was used in beer. Um, they, they grew barley as a rotational crop uh, for potatoes uh, up in the northern part of Maine, and they wanted to get into the beer producing, uh, biz- in, into the beer business. They were thinking of starting up a hop farm, and then and we're like, but you, you grow barley, like it was barley and beer. So it's just a reminder that even people who are close to the crops don't always have that connection. So for us, growing close to the source has been important on so many levels. Um, you're in, it, uh, water is, is one of the most recent things that we've done. We're lucky to get our water from Sebago Lake, um, which is one of the cleanest water sources, municipal water sources in the United States. Um, as independently tested, uh, it doesn't require treatment, and it's one of only a few dozen sources out of thousands in the United States that are like that. So we're starting from the enviable position of wanting to preserve something that's already in a good place. So. Um, 
we've started something and then other breweries and other uh, companies have joined up with us. Rising Tide uh, Brewing Company has joined in as well in Portland, Maine uh, to donate a portion of the proceeds from our beer, uh, uh, 10 cents per barrel, uh, to uh, a new organization called Sebago Lakes Watershed, which actually is there to preserve and protect that as a resource for generations to come to ensure that we don't mess something up that's already good. And then separately, we've been honored to lend our voice to other initiatives, uh, Maine Brew Shed Alliance, uh, and then other national organizations who are fighting on behalf of keeping our water clean. And then separately, we've been working with uh, Maine farmers and maltsters uh, to really grow the Maine grain economy. Uh, you know, if you look at maps that go back to the late 1800s, there was a tremendous amount of grain production in Maine, which is a surprise to many people, us included. Uh, but it's still there. It still works uh, to a great extent. And so uh, close to five years ago, Rob, and this is one of the great things about working for a fully independent company where the founder owns all the shares, Rob said, you know what we should do? We should say that we are going to buy a million pounds of uh, Maine grown and malted grain. And we said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And so by 2021, we pledged to buy a million pounds. Uh, in 2020, we'll be at about 700,000, and then uh, we'll be at that, 20, uh, at that level. And so that means that we get to work directly with these farmers that gives them the space to be able to grow and invest. Uh, and then they're just amazing partners and friends. I mean, they literally welcome us into their homes. They cook for us. Uh, we've camped out on their farms. Uh, we know them. We know their kids. And it's an extraordinary experience for us at the brewery. Awesome. And that definitely reminds me of, I know a lot of how Shaxbury does their business. Um, and some of our listeners probably know about this. But do you want to talk a little bit about the partnerships that you have with the, the local apple growers and various Vermont um, Apple geniuses that you collaborate with? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I feel like to, to a normal Heritage Radio Network that I probably sound like a broken record if you listen to me speak, but I, I just, apples <laughs> grow like weeds in Vermont. Um, I, I've used that line multiple times. They were used as property lines. They were, you know, there's so many apple farmers up in Vermont and it's such a big part of who the state is in itself that at Shaxbury, we're, we're really trying to take something that's already a huge part of where we're from and create more of a value-added crop for local farmers by using cider apples, which have a higher value than uh, more traditional culinary fruit. It's also a great way, like when we were talking uh, earlier, if you're a Vermont farmer and you're looking at the highest value of the apples that you have, everything has to be so visually perfect, where for cider, it's just so great to be like, give us your uglies. Like, yeah. we'll we'll take, you know, anything. And it's, it's the same with, like, barley being a cover crop. Like, exactly. it's so funny that no, it never occurred to be like, people eat barley, people drink barley, um, and that just expands, like, revenue streams for the farmers and also, like, yeah, Absolutely. more product for you Absolutely. to work with. Yeah. Um, Okay, you guys are both marketing geniuses. So That's, I don't know. That's maybe one of us is. I I got some work to do, but I'll take let, it. Let the record show that we're both looking <laughs> looking to the side. You're both very bashful marketing yes. geniuses. So I'm always like I feel like getting the behind the scenes perspective on like how to effectively like tell the story of special brands like this and like we're at Good Food like everyone has a good story who's in this room we know that like everyone works incredibly hard they're doing something because they love it because they know it brings people joy because they know it's giving back to their community um 
and I, I know, like, obviously, Luke, you're one of the founders of your company. Jeff, I don't know how long you've been with Allagash, but, like, what makes for uh, an effective story? Like, how do you do that? So, you know, <laughs> I think, that as you talk, I think the thing that um, is more important than anything else is that you have to want to do it. And uh, obviously, that sort of seems like it goes without saying, but I think that um, it could be very easy to think, oh, people will know, or people won't care, or um, there's any reason to sort of demure or sort of push that to the side. And I think that um, you know we got to a place as an organization where we really did care about helping people understand us and sort of seeing that it wasn't boasting, it wasn't being immodest to simply share stuff out with the world. And Rob, founder, really sets the tone for that, um, you know, from the moment that I started. So I've been with the organization close to six years, wow. which feels like a blink of an eye in the history of the company, you know, uh, still feel like the new kid. But the, you know, from the moment that I started, his, his uh, desire about what we did was always, you know, did you tweet that out? You know, did you share that on Facebook? It wasn't how many likes did it get? It wasn't, you know, what was your engagement? It wasn't what's your media strategy? It was, did you tell the world about this thing? Yeah. And so I think that having the will to understand that you need to do that then allows you to say, well, we better actually have a plan in place to do it. You know, we better have a person who's good at it. Um, if that's the founder, awesome. If it's not the founder, find somebody else who can do that and then dedicate the resources to it because that your why, the, what you're doing, um, is a value to the consumer. You know, uh, I, I just every person who's here at the Good Food Awards, their product is is more delicious and more enjoyable and more valuable to me, knowing their stories behind it. So you're actually, if you understand that you're denying something to the consumer by not sharing that story with them, then 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 I think it's then up to you as a entrepreneur, business owner, manager to then take whatever steps are right for you to be able to do that. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like, it's you're giving the consumer a gift. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think one of the biggest challenges that we face, and anyone here faces, is what most of these people are doing. Probably everyone is incredibly complex, and there's so much that goes into it, and there are so many things that make all of these products so unique that the the real art is to be able to take that and boil it down to like something that could fit onto a 12 ounce or sometimes in our case an 8 ounce can. Like how do you get the core understanding of what this product is? Like we've gone simplistic in a lot of terms where we have a cider that's called dry, we have a cider that's called rosé. So like from us as a messaging standpoint that gets a point across, people know how it's going to taste but you take a cider like Arlo that's a blend of like Vermont, New England apples, and uh, fruit from Inara in Petrotegi in Estigarraga, Spain, and you have native yeast fermented Basque cider blended with, you know, our apples, and combining those two things together and trying to get across like how is this? And it's fermented bone dry, so there's just so much that goes into it from the process side and and trying to isolate what's going to resonate with the consumer and what someone who's seeing this product is like I should try this like what what's what's in here and then 
properly setting that, their expectation on what's inside of that can and what it's going to taste like, I, I think that that's one of the most challenging, but one of the most exciting parts of what we do on the marketing side of narrowing it down to like, how do I get a core message across to a consumer of how this product is going to taste? And it's like, I want it to look good, but I also want to properly explain to people because I've seen products that I'm just like, that's a great looking thing, but I have no idea what it is. So like from what, from my standpoint and what we're thinking about is like, how do we, how do we convey information in a way that, that helps someone make an informed decision on what they're going to buy? Yeah. And, and Jeff, do you find that um, are consumers savvy about the B Corp certification? Um, I know that's something that I only learned about recently. Um, and, you know, it's a seal on the product. Um, are you getting a response from, from your customers? It's, we're very early on in the process. Yeah. And we haven't gotten to a place where we've started even putting it on the packaging yet. Um, what we are, what people have been very, very positive in the initial response to us. I think what we've seen, and we've the great thing is we've gotten to talk to a lot of other B Corps and get their take on it. And I think one of the things that we've heard is people don't know what it is, but they like it when it's explained to them. Yeah. So the key is to find those environments when you can sort of proudly claim it and then let people understand it. Um, that, you know, it's not even like putting an organic symbol that, that more people can recognize and understand even if they would struggle to explain it. They at least recognize it. Um, it's not there, but if you're willing to sort of take a place of education and sort of stick with it, then uh, I think it can be very impactful. Awesome. And um, just in closing, what makes New England beverage makers so cool? What's the perspective? I <laughs> <laughs> Usually Luke is like Captain Vermont. Yeah, I uh, I mean, the thing that I lean back into is like being from Connecticut and now like our company's based in Vermont, my partners are up in Vermont, but I live in Southern California, which allows me to have this beautiful nostalgic, nostalgic view of New England where like when I think back about it, living in a place that's as densely populated as San Diego, the idea of space and the amount of creativity that surrounds that, it's just, I, I think that both Allagash and Shaxbury are companies that both lean into a kind of outdoorsy vibe anyways. So for, for me, one of the things that's so special is that with that space, you're, you end up just naturally being closer to people that are producing some of the core ingredients that go into your product. Mm -hmm. So I think the thing that's so special about that is we're not just in this dense urban environment trying to talk about apples. Like, we're dangerously close to the people <laughs> that are producing <laughs> apples. And you hear from them. And, you you know, there's more of a direct line of communication. So uh, we can't just sit in an urban setting and say how amazing our products are and why you should buy them. Like, we're going to have, uh, you know, a local apple farmer in our ear talking to us about why, why they think that we should be using this versus that. Yeah, so. you're closer to the source. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> that is very true. The only thing I will add is from my own personal experience, I sort of took a inverse journey to yours in that I'm originally from Southern California and I now live in Northern New England. So, you know, I, I, I sort of always feel a little bit like an outsider and Rob is from Massachusetts, went to school in Vermont and then decided to found the, the company in Maine. And I think that there is a spirit of um, self-reliance and sort of thriftiness 
that is baked into things that people do that they don't even necessarily think about. You know, we've been recycling and reusing materials because it's just the right thing to do. You know, it's just like, that's what you do. You know, there's a sense of uh, understanding that it's up to you and up to your neighbors. And then speaking for Maine specifically, there's such an, a cohesive identity to the state of Maine. It is a massive state. It's hard for people who are not there to really fathom that if you drive from our brewery in Portland, Maine, you can get to Brooklyn in the same amount of time as you can get to the top of Maine. It's really far. But no matter where you're from in Maine, if you ask somebody where is this from, it's Maine beer. And that identity built out of tourism, built out of whatever, I think does reinforce a sort of uh, it's a group of people who believe that they're all in it together. So um, building on what you were saying, that proximity to the growers, the sort of thriftiness, that sense that you can't escape uh, and just sort of push it off somewhere else. Uh, we're all in it together. Uh, it, it makes for a pretty fantastic environment. I love that. So true. It's like, I, I feel like being down in Southern California now, like thinking about growing up in New England, like life in New England's not the easiest thing. So like that's there's cool. kind of like we kind of went through this together. We're all in it together mentality of New Englanders. That's just so unique. In, in conjunction with the thriftiness and oh, I'll just figure it out. And I'm just going to do it myself and yeah. we're just going to take care of it. It's, yeah, it's a little me. suffering is good for you. <laughs> it's, like, it's good for you. Yeah. For sure. um, well, that's all the time that we have. But thank you guys so much. That was really fun. And, and I love sipping on Allagash while we while we chat. Um, so thanks so much to Jeff Pilichor from Allagash and Luke Schmucker from Shaxbury. I'm Hannah Forden, and this is Heritage Radio Network on tour at the Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. Thanks so much to Good Food for having us and to the Julia Child Foundation for making our on-tour coverage possible.